right, we are back. It is 2022 here on Automatic. And Steffi, how was your new year? Uh, you survived, I take it. Well, I'm here, Rich. <laughs> I'm here. Uh, it feels like 2020 all over again. I had a kind of hectic week. Uh, had a game that I was supposed to call on Thursday, which was the 30th. Flew into Texas, landed, game was canceled, flew back out. Lovely. Gosh. <laughs> So when did you get notification that it was canceled? About three hours after I had landed. So I'm driving from Houston to College Station to cover a Texas A&M game against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt under its first year head coach, Shay Ralph, former longtime assistant to Gino Arima. I'm excited. You know, I'm, I haven't met Shay before. And it's my understanding that they were getting on the plane, waiting for results when that happened. We were already all there. Our crew was ready to go. And then I just stayed the night and flew back. <laughs> so there you go. Sunday it was a Sunday was a remote game from home and we had technical issues during our game. So I'm just looking forward to getting on the other end of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm afraid I don't know if we're going to be on the other end. How many more games do you think you're going to be calling remotely versus in person or, or can you even tell at this point right now we don't know we don't know and I know that you know coaches and players broadcasters crews there's part of me felt so guilty Rich I have to be completely honest you know ESPN has been wonderful throughout this process and um, honoring games even though games aren't played um, because everyone at the end of the day is also trying to make a living coaches and you know players for their livelihoods down the road and you get on the plane and you're ready to do the game. I had notes and notes prepared for, for that broadcast. And you land and the game doesn't get played. And you're like, damn, you know, I, I want to work. I want to work. I want to call the game. And, you know, it, it's, it's all good. We're all trying to do our best. But I know that we want to all get through it. So here we are, 2022. <laughs> Here we are, 2022, and it doesn't look a whole lot different than a trilogy the past two years. Yes, it is a trilogy. That's that's a great way to put it. And I was hoping that there would be this the next chapter, turn the page, so to speak. And unfortunately, just because the calendar moves, it doesn't mean that everything in our lives are moving at the same point in terms of that new chapter. Now, did you make any New Year's resolutions, or do you do that each year? Of course, I have three. Um, okay. Let's hear him. Uh, Joni Taylor, the coach for Georgia. If you don't know over Googler, I mean, just inside out, just a terrific coach. One of my favorite coaches to interact with. She said her her New Year's re New Year's resolution doesn't change every year, and she's been doing the same one for fifteen years. So now I'm eager to. I'm like, what is it? Because it's obviously working. Yes. <laughs> she said a bubble bath every week, and I said. Well, hell to the yeah, because that is going on my list. She said it's just, I de you know, I can decompress. It's a little, it's an hour of me time. She's got a TV, you know, right above the bath. I'm like, okay, like I don't have the TV above my bath, but, you know, put some Epsom salt in there and I'll be good to go. So that was one. Um, I need to stretch more, Rich. I'm getting older and I don't stretch enough. So oh, flexibility. You getting older. Yes, I don't want to hear that. You getting older. <laughs> I'm way past you, lady. Flexibility, a bath once a week. Just it's good for the heart and soul, mind. And then um, trying to stay a little bit more hydrated. Um, I, I haven't been drinking enough water. So more, more so health, 
health related. Um, I'm a big health and wellness person, so I want to take the best care of myself. So those were uh, three for me. How about you? Yeah, I love that. In terms of taking a bath each week, maybe I don't do that. But what I would love to do, if I could, would be able to get a massage once a week. Ooh. That would be absolutely amazing. I just can't afford that each week. <laughs> yeah. That would be the only problem, right? That gets expensive, <laughs> is what you're saying. Yes, yes. it does. It, it really does. No, mine, and I've tried to do this several times throughout my lifetime, and I've never been able to do it. And it's so disappointing, and it's so embarrassing to say that I haven't been able to do it because it's not like a crazy task that should take a whole lot of effort, but I want to read one book per month. That's only 12 books in a year, and I've never been able to do that. And I've got to be able to do it this year. So I'm going to do it this year. You got to hold me accountable, okay, Steffi. I, I need somebody to hold me accountable. All right. So, and I'm starting off with Shoe Dog, the Phil Knight book. Great choice. Uh, so, it, yes. So that should be, and, and I'm way behind the curve. I, I know a lot of people have already read that. So, uh, I, I'm behind everybody, but that's my New Year's resolution that I get to read 12 books, okay. one a month for 2022. That's my New Year's resolution. So I read when I fly. So during my season, four or five months on the road, I'll crank out 10, 10 books. I mean, I just read in the air. So I, that's my favorite time to really get into books. Like I'll, I can go through a ton. But I'm, my next book is called The the Coddling of the American Mind. Ooh, okay. How good, Talk to me. How good intentions and bad ideas are setting up a generation for failure. I've heard good things about the book. So um, that's first on my list. I will be reading that on Thursday when I fly out to Knoxville. So Okay, well, I've got I'll hold to you accountable that on my list as well. I'll, I'll yes. Hold, you accountable. hold me accountable. All right, I, I love it. So that's your next game, Thursday. Thursday, Texas A&M and Tennessee. Excited. Be a good one. excited for that. Yeah, Tennessee's been rolling, and it's been amazing that they've been able to do so without Ray Burrell, who's their star. Um, but Tennessee rebounds, they block shots, they defend. And I really like Kelly Harper. And I think for years after Pat Summit, rest in peace, um, and, and Holly Warlick did her best job that she could. And everyone, you know, everyone loved Holly Warlick, and she took so much heat because they just weren't winning. And they weren't getting to the Final Fours and National Championships. And Tennessee fans got, um, uh, what is the word? They lack patience. They're like Bama fans. Oh, yeah, they get spoiled. Uh, they're like <laughs> Nick Saban and Alabama fans. If you, they don't win by 40, we're in a down year. What the hell? Here we are back in the National Championship. They're just It's like clockwork. You have a favorite in that game, by the way? Bama, Georgia? Yeah, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because based on opponents – facing each other in the same season. So now for Alabama to have to beat Georgia twice in one season, I think that's going to be very difficult. And I think they just didn't come as mentally prepared as they should have been. I was surprised the way that they played Alabama in the SEC championship. I have a really hard time, Rich, betting against Nick Saban. I know. I want to go with Kirby. I love Kirby. I'm a big fan of his. They're probably better. I just have a hard time going against Saban in the national championship. All right. We can talk college football all day long as well, Steffi, but we've got a great guest here today on Automatic, Miss Kelly Gramlich, one of my good friends and a Clemson grad. So obviously 
I'm going to call her a good friend. And she played at Clemson from 2011 to 2014, one of the best three-point shooters in Clemson history, and actually still has a tie for the record for most three-pointers made. But now you can actually find her on the ACC Network as a women's college basketball analyst. And also you can hear her on the radio as well, which she's been doing for several years with one of her good friends, also William Quackenbush, and that is on 105.5 The Roar in the upstate of South Carolina. So, Steffi, she's all over the map. She's doing so many different things, and it was great that we were able to get to spend a few minutes with Kelly Graham. All right, Kelly Gramlich, thank you so much for joining the podcast here with Steffi and I. And as us insiders, we can say KG is joining us here on the podcast, right? (laughs) Again, right. Yes. Uh, So I've got to ask, so is it a love-hate relationship when you call in games remotely? Because obviously... It's you love it. You're just at home and it's easy from that standpoint being done and you're not traveling. But do you hate it, though, because you're not there on the court, in the atmosphere, in the arena and just being there intimately during the game? That's the best way to describe it. First of all, thank you guys for having me. Loving the new pod. Uh, Two of the best you guys are. So thanks for having me. It's definitely a love hate because. Look, you can wear sweatpants, which is quite nice, um, which I wear for pretty much every game. And you can walk downstairs and grab a snack. And then when you're done, you're just done. So these are all positives. But, you know, not being there, there were a few times specifically in the games I called yesterday where you're just missing something important. You can't see exactly what's going on, especially in the North Carolina Clemson game where we had two separate situations where double technicals were assessed and there was a shoe throw at the beginning of the game. These are types of things where you need to be there to know what's happening and to have uh, better communications with the officials and all that stuff and not being able to go to shoot around and, and talk with coaches in person, even though the coaches do give us a lot of their time. It's just different. You know, we're all adjusting. We're all making it work. And there are pros and cons to everything, but I do think it's a love-hate. And, you know, Rich, traveling is, it can be tough, especially on a Sunday when you're in a game. But, you know, I like to get my miles, so I'll rack (laughs) those up and and we'll just keep going. But, yeah, and I think Steffi would agree. It's a little bit of a love-hate. Well, Kelly, you know, everyone has their own studio set up, and I got a sneak peek at yours with a really, really long Ethernet cord. So <laughs> there's no way for us to visually show this, but can, can you describe the lengths it went to, literally, to set that studio up? Oh, yes. Okay, so Steffi saw this on my Instagram where I posted my Ethernet cord. And so my husband and I live in a, a townhouse, and you know we're not going to be here forever. So we thought about, Nick was trying to say, you know, I could drill a hole and we could put the cord up through the wall. I was like, please, no, let's not do that. So (laughs) that just sounds like a disaster. So (laughs) I have it downstairs. We bought a 75 foot because my studio is upstairs and it needs to connect to the main modem downstairs right by the TV. So I just, I roll it out every game day. I bring it up the stairs. I connect it to my home setup. It's a 75 foot ethernet cord and somehow, some way, uh, I haven't tripped on it. Nick hasn't tripped on it. I'm waiting for 
the absolute worst case scenario where I'm mid game and Nick's going to get a snack and just like face plants. But <laughs> that has not happened. Knock on wood. Thankfully, he sits there for seven hours straight and watches Red Zone. So he never moves. But um, so we're good to go. But yeah, it's it's been an adventure. But it, it was fun, Steffi. I know you know this because your background is really cool. Uh, getting, you know, picking what you want in your background for a studio and for games. So that part's cool. And you can put a few things up there. But yeah, the Ethernet cord, I, I would advise anyone, that's like the first step in your work from home starter pack is just go get the longest Ethernet cord you can totally. find because you never know how many feet you're going to need. Absolutely love it. All right. So I missed the part, though, about the shoe throw in that game. Give me the scoop on that. Okay. This is so funny because, and Rich, you know my radio co-host, Quack. We used to do uh, Clemson women's games on the radio, and we were in Miami a couple years ago, and... The Miami point guard, I'm trying to remember who it was, she picked up a girl's shoe and threw it into the stands. So, Quack and I have seen a shoe throw before. Clemson somehow ends up in these games with shoe throws. I'm doing the UNC-Clemson game remotely yesterday, and this is early in the game between Kiki Lewis and Kennedy Todd Williams. There's a scuffle on the ground, and Kennedy Todd Williams grabs Kiki Lewis's foot, takes off her shoe, wow. and throws it. <laughs> and then Kiki Lewis shoves her. So there were double technicals, but just the fact of the presence of mind, really, to not only remove the shoe, but chuck the shoe. Like, there's a lot going on there. And it set the tone for a very chippy game where we had more technicals later. And uh, just it seemed to be some bad blood between <laughs> these players. But I, that never crossed my mind, Rich. And I don't know about you, Steffi, to remove someone's shoe and throw it mid-game. I never yeah. had that urge. Did you laugh on air, or did you, what was the, you laughed. You had to have. I did. <laughs> okay. I totally laughed. And I even, because they were reviewing it, and they were reviewing it forever. And so Angel and I were just talking, and at one point I was like, are they reviewing how far the shoe went? Like, what are we doing? Because it was just taking forever. <laughs> well, you, you, when you get to be in person, Kelly, and you get to go up and do studio, you know, you guys have brought in Muffet McGraw. Can you describe, um, Rich and I talked about her comments last week about ESPN and the bias towards Connecticut, which I kind of applauded what she said. I, I really uh, appreciate and admire her ability to articulate her points, make her case, and you know let the chips fall where they may. So what has it been like bringing Muffet on board and your interactions with her and how it is in studio? It has been incredible. When Aaron Katzman, who's our, our main ACC Network producer, when he texted me, this was kind of during the pandemic because we were finding someone else to come on. And when he texted me and said, Muffet McGraw is coming on, I thought, oh, man, th this is excellent. This is like, and, you know, now this guy's a little disgraced, but this is like getting Urban Meyer on the set of, of Big Noon uh, kickoff or whatever. Like, this is a huge deal. This is a legend. And I didn't know what to expect because I had played against her, but I had never met her. And she's just such a legend. She's almost untouchable. I'm like, how am I going to talk to her? Yeah. What is she like as an actual person? And uh, now a year and a half later, and you can ask Muffet. We'll see if she, if she says this. But I can confidently say we are best friends. I mean, we text all the time. She texts me all the time about just games. And we're always talking. She wants to do. And the thing I love about Coach is it's obvious that whatever she's doing, whether it's coaching or when she was a player or now, she is 100% all in on that. She's going to work harder than anyone. And it's obvious why she's had so much success. But she wants to do like extra Zooms 
to talk about the game separately before we do our production meetings. I mean, these are the things that she wants to do. And I'm so down because I just want to soak up any sort of knowledge I can from Coach McGraw. And now that we're going up to Bristol, we're carpooling. So she wants to ride with me into Bristol. You get into Hartford, driving to Bristol. So I'm like, of course. So I just drive Coach everywhere. And basically, she <laughs> repays me by telling me stories, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, so it's just been really fun to get to know her. And, and that's the thing, too, about Coach. And she would tell you. It's because she's a woman, she gets a little more criticized for this. And I would agree. But she says what she means. She says what she thinks. She's blunt. And and that's just her. That's that's who she is. And she doesn't, it's not personal. She's just saying what is, and most of the time, you know, it's true what she's saying. So she doesn't hold back and she's not afraid to speak her mind. And, you know, she's accomplished so much. I think she's earned that in many respects. And look, I know she, she doesn't necessarily like UConn or some of these teams that she's competed against forever. How could you suddenly turn and start loving a program that you literally practiced every single year to beat and had to get through when you were in the same league? Totally. So she can't just turn that off. But, you know, and I, I heard some of her comments and I wasn't surprised because I was like, you know what, that's coach. She's going to tell you exactly what she thinks. And I think there's two sides to the UConn situation. Obviously, they've been so great for so long that they're going to get a lot of attention and they don't have a conference network. So that's an excuse to put them on E1, E2, because you can't put them on Big East Network or whatever, at least if you're ESPN. And so I get that. But on the flip side, I do think sometimes, especially national media, can be a little lazy and just say, all right, who's the next UConn star? And that's who we're going to push when right now in college basketball, it's so much more than UConn. And Beckers is incredible. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, they haven't won a national title since 2016. And we're still talking about them like they have when there are so many other stars, so many other great coaches. It is just a a golden era right now for women's hoops when you look at the parity. And UConn is still a part of that, but I don't think they should be necessarily the focal point. So I get where she was coming from. Um, and I, I wouldn't have said it the way she did because I can't because I'm not Muffin McGraw. So, <laughs> and I, I never will be, but she's awesome. It's been truly uh, a pleasure to become friends with her and to learn from her. I just learn from her all the time. Yeah. We, we might not have seen you for a few weeks if, uh, those were your comments, but with, with <laughs> Muffin McGraw, it's a, it's a little bit different. Um, you talked about the landscape of women's hoops. I think I'm with you. Obviously we both cover it. But it's it's just on the rise, the stars, um, the teams, and who is who are teams you're looking at right now, or and players really that have uh, stood out to you so far. Oh man, so many. It's interesting, Steph, because I'll start with South Carolina, and it's been so weird for me. This this last night, I filled out my AP poll, and I'll, I'm not afraid to say it. I kept them at one, yeah, because I still think they're the best team in the country. I, I couldn't really justify moving them down. Because they beat Stanford, they beat NC State, they, they've beaten these teams below them. So it was tough for me to move them up. And if Louisville had just looked amazing against Georgia Tech, perhaps. But, you know, that was an ugly game, which is the way both those teams play anyway. But I still think South Carolina is the best team. I think it will help them to lose. It, I don't think you want to go undefeated. That's just so much pressure down the stretch. Um, but, you know, everyone's dealing with different COVID issues, as we've seen. So not only that, but also with the parity. Anybody is gettable on a, on a given night. I think we've seen that. And Missouri had more COVID issues than South Carolina, and they still beat them. So 
I think it starts with South Carolina, but beyond that, you know, I've really liked what I've seen from Stanford, finding a way to bounce back without Keanu Williams, and they're still kind of figuring it out. But they had South Carolina beat. That was a tough game to watch them just give away. But they're still really, really good. Um, I think NC State and Louisville are both really, really good. They they are different in a lot of ways. This is not a offensive powerhouse Louisville that we're used to seeing. It's defense first, which is really interesting, but they get after it defensively. And NC State is one of those teams that at times, like the Georgia game and other games, they almost have too many weapons. Like that's the problem for them right now is they're trying to figure out who's their alpha. And I know Kunane is Kunane, but she was in foul trouble against Georgia. And the way I think of the game, I think your alpha in many respects needs to be a guard down the stretch. So they're still kind of figuring that out with um, with how they're Shout out attack. to all the guards out there. Yes, shout out to the guards. <laughs> exactly. Um, and Kunane's, of course, still a great player. But, you know, you look at those for Arizona. I've been very surprised that Arizona is still undefeated. Now, I want to see them get into Pac-12 play, but that's been incredibly impressive. And I've loved that, like, all these top 10 teams have played each other. So you look at the schedule, and, and that's why it's tough to move South Carolina down because they've beaten all these other teams. I just... I can't do it. So it's a credit to Carolina with the, the schedule they've played. Indiana's win over Maryland the other night was huge. I think Indiana is one of those teams that is just going to out-execute you on a given night, and they're super physical and they're super confident. So it's just been a great non-conference so far. And as we get into ACC play, I think what I'm really – or ACC and SEC and Big Ten, everybody play. I'm really looking forward to seeing if we can truly say, okay – the SEC is the best league. The ACC is the best league. The Big Ten is also trying to assert themselves. I just want to see which league can be the most consistent um, at the top and especially who can rise up in the middle. But it, it's been fun so far. i got to jump in because I, I get into this conversation with so many people and, and coaches will always be at their media days or at, in, in interviews, our league is the best. Our league is the best, right? Everybody from every league says our league is the best. But how do you judge that? Because if you're looking at how many teams get into the NCAA tournament, if the ACC gets seven, the SEC gets maybe 10, but they don't go as far. Like, you know, what are, mm -hmm. how are you going to measure that if that's something that you're looking forward to? That's a great question. So I think there's quite a few ways you can measure it. Teams in the NCAA tournament is something that everyone uses. And I think that's a good starting spot. But, you know, to your point, if, if you have a lot of teams lose early, if you don't have a team in the final four, which the ACC didn't last year, then, you know, that can be an issue. And of course, you know, uh, South Carolina made the final four. So there's a lot of different ways. I, I think you never really know. It's just fun to debate. It's fun to go back and forth and it's more just a media topic. But, and I think for the last couple of years, it has been SEC, ACC. The big 10 is truly trying to emerge. Now, the Big Ten ACC challenge was not necessarily fun for the Big Ten, but Indiana, Michigan, these are really good teams. Maryland, of course. So I've really been impressed. You've got Iowa, too. I've been impressed with how the Big Ten has committed to women's hoops and has risen up beyond Maryland. And that's the other thing, too, that I'm excited about, guys, is you look at these leagues. It's not maybe in the SEC. South Carolina is still the favorite. But beyond that, it's not the people that you normally look at. Like in the ACC, it was Notre Dame and Louisville. NC State has risen up. In the Big Ten, it was Maryland. And now you've got Indiana, who just beat them. In the Big 12, Kansas State hey. with Ioka Lee, who's incredible. Um, looks like they may be the favorite, but you got Iowa State, who's also really good. So, And Texas. I mean, the Big 12 is loaded. 
Uh, the Pac-12 is the one I'm honestly a little disappointed in so far. You've got two ranked teams and that's it. But I feel like you have new faces and new teams emerging. And, and that's just really good for the sport. All right, Kelly, I've got to go back to something you talked about with Coach McGraw and just the aspect of she might be criticized a little bit because she is a woman. And Stephanie and I have talked about this as well, just on the women's game. You'd mentioned it was chippy in that North Carolina Clemson game and just the technical fouls. It doesn't seem to me that the refs allow the women's game just to be played and to be played with emotions at times. And it's okay to get a little chippy and you want to see some of that emotion. Yeah, it's a great point, Rich. I think it's gotten better overall, but still there's there's a double standard. And it's odd because a lot of these officials, there are very few officials who officiate both games. These officials are women's officials. They've been officiating women's games forever. So they know how the game goes. And I think you there has to be more of an effort to let women show emotion, get fired up. I, I know that they're trying to curtail some of the physicality in the game. And I, I'm with you on that. Or I'm with them on that just because you don't want to let the game get too physical, mainly because uh, players like Steffi and I couldn't do anything then. But <laughs> and then we're looking out for ourselves. But, you know, it, basketball is not its prettiest when it's too physical. You don't want it to become that. And, you know, at times the refs have to, to look for that and officiate that, especially inside with the hooks and the hook and hold and all that stuff. And that was actually one of the technicals in the UNC Clemson game was a, a hook and hold and then some shoving. So that's a tech. I get that. But letting players get fired up and, and letting players, you know, I did the Duke Notre Dame game. Olivia Miles is making makes a three and just staring at the student section and which funny because it, it, the students aren't back. So she was effectively staring at little children, which I thought was hilarious, but <laughs> she's just like staring at the fans. Like, that's great. I love that. I think that's fun. So yes, we have to do a better job of, of letting women showcase that emotion and scream at the, at the ceiling when they do something great, because the men do that all the time. And then even more so with coaches too. I mean, I've heard this, you know, from coach McGraw and others, but Sometimes the officials will let a male coach get away with a little more, uh, whether it's language or whatever, than a female coach. So that has to be that has to be equal too. You know that that has to be something that the officials are looking at and and doing a better job of. But overall, yeah. and here's my little PSA: officials have a very tough job. I could never do it, so I get it. It's tough, but yeah, and I think we're getting better. You know, I'm not one that's saying. This is this is terrible and it's never changing. No, I can I can look at it and say I think we are getting better and and letting people show emotion and letting players get fired up and and you know letting female coaches go crazy on the sideline. Kim Mulkey, look, I was look, I hey, spent hey that's where I was I spent going ten to. minutes the other night. I spent ten minutes the other night just watching Kim Mulkey's reactions in the A and M game. Just the high step in whatever she's doing. I freaking love it. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you talk about someone who's living their best life right now. Kim Mulkey <laughs> takes that LSU job, leaves Baylor, shocks the world. And yeah. I'm, I'm so eager to do one of her games because I'm going to find all the plays that her players now. I mean, we get that she's excited on the, on the sideline. You could put just a camera on her and watch mm -hmm. just a two box, the game, and then Kim. And everyone would want, to, want to, would want to watch Kim. Not only does she dress immaculate, but her reactions. Unbelievable. She loves the game. But if you watch her players, there's some transfers in. Kelly, you know that on the LSU team. Mm -hmm. It's effectively kind of the same team. And their reactions after makes, I mean, 
fist pump. I mean, just so much emotion. They're letting them do that, right? Especially in that Texas A&M game that I was watching. I would love to put mm-hmm. all her players' reactions because it it when she's come in, she's completely changed that culture. I mean, they they are the same as her now. 100%. Steffi, I mean, you're so right. I've been so drawn to LSU, watching them play, just keeping track of them because it's incredible what she's done. And it is very close to the same roster. I mean, Kayla Pointer has been absolutely amazing. And I I think her energy, her confidence, um, her accomplishments are just contagious to this this team. And they believe. It's so obvious that they believe in in what she's trying to do and what they're trying to do. And they're getting the fan support now, which LSU, you know, they have a storied history. So you're bringing back fans who've probably been wanting to come. And it's been so much fun to watch. And I think she's so good for the women's game. Yeah. I would never say, okay, she's, you know, she she's ranked higher than Gino or Pat Summit or, or, or coaches like that because they're just on a different level. But if she gets to a Final Four and eventually wins a national title with LSU, like, I mean, we have to put her in that same pantheon. It's just different. Like what she did at Baylor – which was not a national power before she got there by any means. I know she won three titles there. It's not like she has the, you know, eight or however many Gino has and the eight that Pat has. But if she takes another team and resurrects that program, she has to be way up in that discussion because it's just unbelievable. And her fit, Steffi. Okay. Yeah. I love how all these coaches have decided, you know what? And this is such a coach thing too, because they wear sweatpants every day anyway. I'm just going to wear joggers and my team issued quarter zip and I'm good to go for the rest of time. And Kim Mulkey's like, yeah, right. I would never. (laughs) The butterfly blazer was mind blowing. I love it. Oh, that was a must. That was a must. I don't know about you, but I am, I am anti um, joggers and the quarter zips for games. I just did the Georgia game. Joni Taylor again, flawless. I still love the fashion that coaches bring, so I'd like to see it slowly come back. But they're a great story, and it's remarkable what she's already been able to do, you know, just in her first first season with LSU, bringing them back oh, yeah. into the conversation. I'm looking forward to them taking on South Carolina, just Don, Don and Kim on the sideline. But if, if I can, I just kind of wanted to switch gears with you just a little bit. I wanted to talk about kind of your broadcasting career and for those who don't necessarily maybe know your story of how you got into it, you know, I'm sure you're kind of like me. A lot of young students ask you questions. How do I get it? How do I become this? Or how do I become that? How do I get my foot in the door? How did you effectively become one of the lead analysts, not only for ACC Network, but for ESPN? <laughs> oh, that, that's a high praise there on that lesson, it's Steffi. Um, well, okay. So my, it's tough when students ask me because my story is not, it's not the normal one. So when I was in college, and I always say this, like growing up, my only dream was to play college basketball. I did not have any idea what I wanted to do afterwards. That was like the only thing I cared about. So when I did that, then I had to figure out what I wanted to do next. And so when I was in, in college, I was still exploring that, but I did not even have broadcasting on my mind. I knew I loved sports. I've always been obsessed with sports. And Grew up in a, a sports-obsessed family, so even more than basketball, just grew up watching so much college football and mainly college sports. So I went to grad school, which I think is a, a something, if, if, if students can do that, I highly recommend it because it just gives you a little more time to figure out what you want to do, and you can still dip your feet in different things in grad school. And if you have the really good support 
with um, professors and with different professionals like I did at Clemson, then you can truly figure out what you want to do. But so I was in grad school and I thought I was going to be a professor. That's really what I thought I was going to be because I am a little bit of a nerd as Rich knows. And so I was, you know, looking into that. And then Jeff Callen, who I always have to shout out, who now is the director of athletic communications at Clemson, but he used to be the, the women's basketball SID. So he's come a long way. He, I reached out to him and just said, Hey Jeff, like I still want to be involved in sports. Is there any way we can have coffee or whatever? And Jeff's the best. So he said, of course. And he said, do you want to start maybe doing some media stuff for basketball and maybe doing some radio? So I started doing radio, like doing color for the games on radio. And that's how I met William Quackenbush, who invited me over to be somewhat of an intern for his local radio show. And I had never thought of doing local radio. I got in there and just loved it. So eventually I became the, the co-host of that show, which I've now been doing for nearly six years, which is crazy. And it's amazing. Quack and I have not killed each other yet, but you know what? It's, it's worked out. So I obviously owe a ton to Quack. And then I was still doing radio Got to do a little more ACC Network Extra stuff with Rick Bagby, who's excellent at Clemson. I can just name all the people that have helped me. It's a ridiculous list. And so after that, I, I put together a reel of just what I had done on ACC Network Extra. That was really it. And ACC Network was launching. And out of nowhere, I get a follow on Twitter from now my boss, Aaron Katzman. And so he followed me on Twitter. So I thought, okay, I'll follow back and I'll shoot him my reel. I'll DM him. I slid into his DMs. I'll DM him my reel and just ask for notes. And I did. He gave me notes. And then I got a call like three months later. Hey, do you want to come be a part of AC's network? So it, it's a ridiculous story. I, they're probably, and I'm sure Steffi yours is also very unique. Like there isn't a set. That's what's frustrating sometimes for students is there isn't a set path to get in. And I know that can be tough, but you know, I think the biggest thing is just taking advantage of all the resources you have at your institution, because these, as, as Jeff Callen once told me, I work at a university. I want to help young people. Like, that's why you work at a university. So um, taking advantage of that. And then, of course, having played ball, like, you can't replicate that. You know, just the knowledge that you have from playing college basketball, that's a, a thing, too. If people who want to get into it that haven't played college ball, that, that's a tough thing, because you learn so much just being in practice every day. So that's my story in a nutshell. And, and that's how I'm here. Pretty crazy, right? <laughs> well, I mean, you talk a lot about ACC football, right? You've got a show, podcast. Any, did you ever have any interest in covering football as a sideline reporter? Maybe you did. Or, you know, I, I know I can speak for people wanting to push me into other avenues as as if women's basketball is a launching pad to do something else, like it's not good enough where this is actually what I want to do. What can you speak to that a little bit? Man, Steffi, you're preaching to the choir over here. Amen. You are preaching. So yes, I have had. And it's so interesting when someone asks me, why aren't you doing sideline for football? It's like, I don't, I, I respect the heck out of all of our broadcast sisters, Steffi, who do sideline because it looks incredibly difficult. You're out in the elements. You're out there for five hours. Mm. You're preparing for maybe four or five hits, you know, and, that, and that's really all you get in a game. So I have the ultimate respect for it. It never really um, interested me. And, you know, from a football perspective, I love football. I've always loved football. And growing up in Texas, loved it. Now being a Clemson graduate, 
obviously, you know, pretty invested. So the fact that, and Eric McLean, who's one of my best friends, one of the first people I met at Clemson, he played football at Clemson. We just got that idea during COVID and he's an ACC football analyst for ACC network to do a podcast. And it's, it's not the female host male analyst dynamic at all, because I, you know, I know football. And so we have a lot of fun with that. And so that's been a really good outlet for me. And then of course, on the roar, we talk, it's a Clemson radio station. We talk football 365. I mean, you know, today it's January 3rd. We may be breaking down the third string corner for next year. Like that's just what we do. It's Clemson. They're obsessed. (laughs) So that's been a lot of fun for me, but from the basketball side, you know, I I would be happy to dip my toes in the men's game. I love the men's game. I've called some men's games, but I truly love the women's game. And I think women's basketball on the college side right now is the superior product to uh, men's college basketball. And it's only a matter of time before it continues to grow and keeps growing. It's already growing at a ridiculous rate, but I love the women's product. And yeah, I know what you're talking about, Steffi, and I've seen it where people are, are trying to just use women's hoops as a launching pad. And, and that's really not what I'm trying to do. I think I'm, a, I'm very similar to you in that I love this game. And um, I especially love covering the ACC, but the, the whole country. And so I don't see it as a launching pad at all. All right, KG, we can't thank you enough for stopping here on the podcast, and we will have you back. You're one of a kind, and again, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Well, thank you guys for having me. I'll come back anytime. We could talk hoops all day, and I love what you guys are doing. Appreciate both of y'all's work, so keep up the great work. All right, that was fantastic having KG on the podcast. And Steffi, one of the things that I actually loved was very refreshing when she's talking about her vote in the AP, keeping South Carolina at number one. I love that because I feel that so many times we just look at it from a week-to-week perspective and not looking at the overall resume of a particular team. And so I like the fact that she kept. South Carolina number one. And I think there's something to be said about what South Carolina has done throughout the season, even though they did lose, but it was a last second shot against Missouri. Well, Kelly Graham, like she's entertaining. She's informative. She's obviously smart. I love the fact that she's become so opinionated. And, you know, throughout her interview with us, she was honest. She tells it like it is. And I respect that because it it does, especially as former players, You've been in the you've been in the bench, you've been on the court, you've interacted with coaches, but you still have to put your your opinion on the line and it might not always uh, be approved by everybody. Um, but I enjoyed everything that she had to say. She's fantastic. Love watching her, listening to her call games. In regards to South Carolina, yeah, that game was didn't want to say the F word, but nuts. <laughs> that was nuts, um, right? <laughs> I'm I'm watching that like no way. Missouri has seven players, seven or eight players. Exactly. Uh, they're missing Asia Blackwell, their star. She averaged 16 and 12. 16 and 12. She's not on the floor. And for some reason, I think it's, it, it, it's psychological. You know, I've covered South Carolina, Missouri tons of tons of times, and it's always close. And it, it might not even be, Missouri's not, might not even be good that year. And it just happens to be close. And they scheme South Carolina the best of anyone. And they just they they out schemed them in that game. And Lauren Hansen, Auburn transfer, 
took it right at the rim. And, you know, the celebration after is what got me. I mean, they were throwing Robin Pynchon in the air. It was hilarious. <laughs> Sophie Cunningham out there. She had to be nervous she, being thrown up in the air like that. She, she, yeah, Robin's <laughs> like, put me down, please. But it was it was good. I think it's I think it was a great game, but good for South Carolina. They probably needed to lose. I mean, when you take down as many teams as they have. Yeah, Kelly had mentioned that too. What's your thoughts on that in terms of can you have a loss that's, you know, a good loss? And I think there is definitely an aspect, the pressure that can build up of it gets to a point it's not even about winning a national championship. It's about you've got to stay undefeated and the challenges with that. We saw that last year with Gonzaga. Yes, exactly. On the men's side. You know, all that pressure undefeated going into the title game. And I, I think for, for South Carolina, it's not necessarily a good loss. I mean, they would have liked to win the game. Missouri's actually not bad. They're good. They almost beat Baylor, uh, who's a top 15 team at this point. So I, I think people maybe just got a, a look at Missouri like, oh, Missouri's pretty good this year. I think w- when Sophie Cunningham graduated, people kind of fell off on Missouri. Sophie was so fun to watch. She was so entertaining. Um, she's in the WNBA now, but I think that it'll make them pissed off. Oh, I think so and too. Yes. You got to, you got a coach like Don Staley who finds these angles, Rich. I've been so up close, um, up center with, with Don Staley throughout my time covering the SEC in her huddles in the practices and finding this niche and finding these ways to get these, get her team hungry, motivated, and um, I think a loss to a team like Missouri pisses them off, which is going to be good for them. Has to. So, And that's what you got to love, though, as now we're getting into conference play. And that's what I'm excited about is really starting to see these teams. And, yes, it was great having some of these you know, non-conference matchups, you know, obviously you know, top 10, top 20 type of matchups. But now come conference play – you just don't know what you're going to get each night. And that's what I'm excited about. Just even looking at on the men's side in the ACC, I mean, you have Miami sitting there at 3-0. and Who would ever thought Miami was going to be 3-0 and in the conference right now, <laughs> right? I mean, it's crazy. Right. And then in the SEC on the men's side, I mean, it's, it's up for grabs. Is it Tennessee? Is it Alabama? Is it Kentucky? Is it Auburn? Is it Auburn? Yes. Is it LSU? I don't know. Right. I mean, and, and that's what you got to love about conference play. And that's why I'm excited as we're now here in January. And this is the traditional time when you start conference play. I know some teams have already started, you know, in the month of December, but now, I mean, most of the country, it's all conference late now. And this is what's exciting. Yeah, and, and we're finally going to really see what teams are made of yes. because I, th- I think when you get into conference play, Rich, scouting is so good because the coaches know what you're gonna what you want to do, and they take it away. So wh- what is your second line of offense? What, what can you do defensively that throws a team for a loop? That's where you really see people that can compete for national championships, right? The teams that are they're in the hunt um, versus those that are still trying to climb that ladder. Um, so I'm ready. I'm excited. I'm, I'm hoping games are being played. Players are yes. healthy. They're safe. You know, I called a Florida Georgia game on Sunday and Georgia was without Jenna Stady and she was in health and safety protocols. And, you know, you just hope everyone is good. Right. Like you don't take anything for granted, but um, you want to see teams compete at full strength. 
I agree. And I would have to say, when you talk about scouting, I'm jealous of the coaches now in terms of how they can scout and how they can prepare. Because I remember when I was coaching, it was all VHS tapes and it was oh, a struggle as you're yeah. <laughs> rewind, fast forward, rewind, pause, <laughs> and you're trying to break down film. And then you would have to get a film and you would have a list and I'd have to FedEx it to the next school on the list. And that's how you got all of these different films. And sometimes, I mean, you'd get film that had been watched a hundred different times. And sometimes the film would break on you and uh, it was just a, a nightmare. But now everything's so digital I and mean, they've got iPads that are, you know, breaking down plays and, you know, we've got so many different opportunities of capturing video of, you know, various teams. So I'm a little jealous that uh, it would have saved a lot of time back in the day. Well, it's gotten so good in terms of just the analytics on the bench and the, the, the things that coaches can keep track of now and track accurately. And even from a, a broadcaster's perspective, using an, a, a technology called Synergy, where I, I can tell you that such and such shoots 21% of their shots off their right hip off a down ball screen, you know, that's how specific it gets. So crazy. games change. Yes. I mean, that's, that's how, that's how good you have to be as a coach to prepare your players and scout and everything to counter knowing that everyone knows what you're going to do. Right. They, they really they are. are. Yeah. I, I would agree a hundred percent. And then it just comes down to you know how well prepared your team is. And then from the perspective of executing that preparation and, that's where you have the difference in the, obviously, the Jimmys and the Joes and comes down to talent out on the court. And I would have to say one of the players that's been playing really well, and that's Auburn's Walker Kessler, obviously transfer from North Carolina. And Steffi, last week we talked about our automatic for the week. And for you, there was going to be a player that was going to get a triple-double. Well, hell, it was Walker Kessler. <laughs> he gets a triple-double, right? Yes, yes, exactly. But he does it in almost an unconventional way. 16 points, 10 rebounds, 11 blocks, <laughs> right? Blocks. He gets yeah. it in blocks. I mean, how often do you see that? You really don't see that. But he's playing extremely well right now. I think he's finally getting into his groove at Auburn. And over the past four games, he's averaging almost 16 points per game, eight and a half rebounds, and almost seven blocks per game right now. Leads the nation, obviously, in wow. blocks. And over those past four games, also shooting over 70% from the field. So if there's a team that can make a run in the SEC and then obviously in the tournament, watch out for Auburn. And again, what Bruce Pearl's been able to yeah. do. I know we've talked about it before, but when you have somebody also to compliment Jabari Smith with Walker Kessler, watch out for Auburn uh, from yeah. that standpoint. I, I love watching Auburn play. They just have so much energy. Um, and, and obviously they feed off of Bruce Pearl out yes. there. Um, but they've looked, they've looked good. Uh, I was listening to Jimmy Dykes the other night talking about them. He does such a great job calling games. He does, I yes. love listening to Jimmy Dykes. I agree. He's, he's fantastic. Auburn's looking good. Uh, you know, on the women's side, I, someone that had a stellar a week was Caitlin Clark. Uh, she came off a 40-point game, and she scored her 1,000th point, Rich, and she's just a sophomore. She needed 40 games to score 1,000 points. Think wow. about that. 40 games. In a, in a normal year, you can almost play 40 games, 1,000 points. That's like a 1,000-point season. 
But it's, you know, she became the fastest player in Big Ten history, obviously, to accomplish that feat. But pretty remarkable for her. She's a player that is come NCAA tournament time. Everyone in the nation tunes in to watch Caitlin Clark. You don't get to always see her, you know, on national television, but she is spectacular. So yeah, most people don't get a thousand points in a four year career. So yeah. for her to do it in that short of time, I mean, that's simply amazing. So kudos yeah. to her. And, you know, then just looking at from a team perspective, for me, I know it's probably easy to do, but I do have to give Baylor a lot of credit. I mean, I know they're the number one team, still undefeated, but going on the road uh, against Iowa State and as well as Iowa State has been playing this year, and especially at Hilton Coliseum, which that's a tough place to play. I don't care what anybody says. It's probably very underrated in terms of a tough place to play because not many teams are going to go into Iowa State and lead wire to wire, which Baylor was able to do. And just, you know, having that type of situation where you lose your top three scorers from last year, four starters, and you're back to playing at elite level. I mean, what Scott Drew is doing there at Baylor is absolutely phenomenal. And obviously they're going to be the favorite right now uh, heading into conference play, but for them, to, again, to go on the road, I, I just think it was a, a big win for them to solidify just that they're not missing a beat. Now, one thing that I feel was missing a beat, though, Steffi, was the fact that the game was on ESPNU, and I know it was on January 1st, and obviously a lot of college football is going on that day from the bowl games. Yeah. And so I was able to at least watch it through streaming on ESPN+, Plus, but it was so frustrating that there were so many issues with the stream. I don't know if it was my internet or if it was on their side, but it kept buffering over uh, and over and the over. Worst. The worst. But you know what made it even more frustrating? And what I noticed, though, Steffi, there was times where it didn't buffer at all. And it would be about a three-minute, four-minute time where there was no buffering. And it was during the commercials. The commercials never buffered. <laughs> I'm like, what the uh, hell? You gotta pay your bills. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm like, you gotta be kidding oh, me. That sucks. The commercials never yeah. buffered. Oh my god, it was so frustrating. So frustrating. I mean, are, is Baylor your favorite on the men's side? Are yeah, I, I think kind so. Of slowly becoming the one that emerges. Like, we haven't seen Duke for a while, so. That's right. And I would have to say that's the other side of it in terms of, yes, we haven't seen Duke. I think Purdue is another team that can cause a lot of havoc uh, in making it a big run as well. And obviously, you can't forget about Gonzaga either. I mean, that's another team that we haven't been able to see a whole lot. I mean, the whole West Coast Conference, they didn't get to play any games this past week because every single team had COVID issues or at least, you know, there was at least one team that had COVID issues, so they couldn't play any games. Right. So, I mean, there's definitely an aspect of what are these teams going to look like after coming off of some of these pauses. But if there is that sneaky team, I know we've already said it, it's it's Bruce Pearl and Auburn. It really is. Yeah. Something tells me it's not a secret in the SEC how good Auburn is. But nationally, I wonder if they're flying a little under the radar. I think so, um, Yes. For sure, for sure. I, I have to give a shout out to the Big 12, Kansas State, knocking off Baylor. Baylor has been top 10 all season long, and uh, Kansas State hadn't beaten Baylor since 2004. 
And we heard Kelly talking about um, Ayoka Lee, who had 32 points and 10 rebounds. She's she's looking at being a WNBA player. She's she's freakishly athletic. She's um, a dominant player, and uh, they pulled it off. I'm you, know, you don't ever really hear Baylor losing in the Big 12. I mean, Mulkey held it down obviously for 20 years, but you know, uh, Big 12 is getting better, and uh, Kansas State being able to pull that off, good sign for for that league. And uh, nice win for. The Wildcats. How much do you take into the whole aspect of during the conversation with Kelly, conference versus conference? And, you know, obviously you played in the SEC. So there's, it means more the SEC. And especially on the football side, you know, we hear that quite a bit. And even after the Georgia Michigan football game, there's Georgia fans in the stands chanting SEC, SEC. Huh. And yeah. for, for me, I've never been able to buy into that. I don't understand the allegiance to your conference because uh, I look at, like in the NFL, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, well, but I'm good. not chanting NFC East, NFC East, <laughs> NFC <laughs> yeah. East, you know, when say the Redskins win or something. I'm just not doing that, or I should say the Washington football team. You know, so it, it's just, I don't know where we got to this point where it's all about the conference. And a lot of it's probably media driven, not necessarily totally. from journalists, but I'm talking about, you know, when you have ACC Big Ten Challenge, the SEC Big 12 Challenge. I mean, you're you're pitting conference versus conference. And obviously, I mean, I know, especially in basketball, they're looking at the breakdown of how many teams from each conference make the tournament, both on the men's and women's yeah. side. I, I get that, but I just have never understood the allegiance just to a conference. Well, here's the thing. When networks started giving conferences their own, basically like an ESPN giving SEC their own network, ACC their own network. Um, then you've got Fox with Big East and the Big Ten. But now everyone has their own TV deal, right? And so it's almost like it's like a fraternity that let's say there was a national championship game and your team wasn't in it. You would still cheer for the team, even if you hated them, unless you're Auburn, Alabama. I don't think that ever goes down. Um, you would cheer for the SEC team versus a Big Ten or a Big 12. Like, you pledge your allegiance. That's just, I feel like, kind of how it is. Am, am I wrong yeah, on no, that? Or do you feel right. that way? Do you cheer? Let's say, ACC guy, you That's are. That's right. I'm Clemson so, grad. Yes, I believe Clemson orange. doesn't make it. Clemson doesn't make it into the national championship. Let's say North Carolina does. Clemson doesn't make it, so it's North Carolina versus, hey, Alabama. What the <laughs> hell? So who are you cheering for? It's not North Carolina just based on that they're in the ACC. And maybe I'm in the minority here. I think uh, you're but, in the minority here. Yeah, I think so too. Because, again, it's the same, and I keep reverting it back to the NFL situation, that if the Eagles are playing in the Super Bowl, I'm not cheering for the Eagles just because they're in the NFC East. And so we only have this allegiance in college sports, just in the same way in high school. If, you know, you're in Region 5A, I don't hear yeah. fans shouting, Region 5A, Region 5A, yeah. Region, you know, that just doesn't happen. It's only in college sports. And it's definitely media driven because we're talking about it. I know. That's but right. Yes. I. <laughs> so I, I guess my, yeah, my question to you, are you cheering for Georgia or Alabama, or somebody else, Auburn, in the SEC, if Florida's not in it? I would want someone from the conference. 
I played in to win. Yes. Okay. All right. So I'm definitely in the minority. Even if it's, look, you, Florida, Georgia, like, for, yeah, that's a big like rivalry. We do not like each other. No. Even though Andy Landers is my best friend, somehow we get along. But I think Florida fans would still cheer for Georgia if Georgia was playing Cincinnati. It's just weird. It's weird how this has become a thing, but it has. But it has. On the, on, the, on the basketball side, I think I hear it from every coach along every interview is, this is the toughest conference, this is the toughest conference. We talked to Kelly about this. And I think I kind of look at it from top to bottom. Can your bottom team beat your top team? How, 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 how good is your, is your last five to six teams? And are they competitive? And I think that, you know, because everyone's talked about the Pac-12 last year because they had two teams playing for the national championship for women's college basketball. Are they the best conference? But could their bottom teams even compete with their top teams? Well, and I think there's an aspect of every conference in America, they're built the same. You have two or three teams that are elite. You have the middle and then you have the bottom. They're all built the same way. They really are. It's kind of like society. Oh, there you go. Look at you. (laughs) Well, Colin Cowherd, you know, how he uses common talk. You got some type of analogy, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, the way you're breaking, it's the elite middle class and then, you know, lower middle class. But, you know, anyway. Let's not get off topic. Let's stay on. Stay yes, on let's stay on topic. Yes, because that's a whole nother type of discussion. So automatic for the week for me, Steffi, is Mr. Dicky Vital. And obviously, he's in a situation right now, still fighting the cancer, needing to take some time off to rest his vocal cords. And he uh, tweeted out uh, earlier that uh, his vocal cords need a T.O., baby. And you know, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I do a horrible impression of Dickie V, so I'm not even going to really try. But my automatic is that Dickie V, he will be back calling games. I don't know when it's going to be, and he said it was going to be probably for an extended period of time that he'll be out. I don't think there's any question that this guy's a fighter. He's going to be coming oh, yeah. back, and he will be calling games again at some point this season. That's my automatic, Steffi. I, I hope to see him. Um, I enjoy seeing Dickie V. His voice, you can hear it from the other room. You, you hear it, you hear it. Uh, that's Dickie V. He's calling the game. Yes. Um, we've missed his presence. That's a great automatic. Mine is a little bit more basketball-centered, and I believe that we won't have any more undefeated teams um, by the end of next week. So we've got a couple, Arizona and UNC. UNC will take on NC State. So I think in Arizona, they've been out with... Uh, COVID protocols and the Pac-12 is, I think they face a couple pretty good teams. So I think maybe we're looking at no undefeated teams. Obviously, South Carolina got beat. So there's just um, a couple more left in the top 25. So we'll see. Been pretty good on my automatics. Humble brag, but. That's okay. We'll you can humble brag because you've been <laughs> remember automatic. When you said, remember <laughs> yeah. when you said to me, Rich, no one gets triple doubles. I said, no, hold on. Just I wait. Know it. Give it a week. Yes. Yep. And sure enough, there you go. You called it. But that is it for us as 2022 is here and the craziness of college basketball. As you know, Seth, it's really just beginning as now conference play is here. But if you haven't already, please follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and let us know your thoughts by rating and reviewing. And as always, thanks for investing your time to listen. This is Automatic.